This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. This week, we are talking about scams, a very specific scam that was being perpetrated or is and has been perpetrated by three brothers. And I know I'm sounding a little cryptic, but it's very complicated. And here <laughs> to break it all down is MLive investigative reporter turned podcaster, Emily Lawler. Emily, welcome to Mishmash. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Emily, the podcast is mandatory. It's what you've been working on for some time now. Give us like the the brief synopsis. What is this about? Yeah, well, kind of one of the fundamental questions I look at actually is whether this is a scam. <laughs> so three brothers in Michigan have owned sort of a series of companies that send mailers to people. So if you're a business owner, you might get a mailer that says, hey, you have to post this poster. You're legally required to notify your employees of this, or, you know, you should keep corporate records. Here's how you do it. Um, So sort of routine business tasks that you get this letter reminding you to do, asking you for money. And uh, what some people say is that they don't realize that it's not the state asking them to do this or a regulatory agency. And it's actually this private company that's selling you a product, either a product or a service. And sometimes people don't realize that that's not mandatory. (laughs) So hence the name of the podcast and the, the name of their main company that they used for a long time was the Mandatory Poster Agency. When you started digging into this story, what made you say this needs to be a podcast as opposed to, I mean, you're a print journalist traditionally. So what made you decide like this, this needs to go beyond, you know, the written word? I felt like it was just so much that I needed to tell the story. <laughs> and so I think actually I had lunch with you pretty early on as I was looking into this. And, you know, I was, I was talk, telling you the story and I had told a couple of people the story. And as, you know, as I was doing that, I sort of thought, well, shoot, I need to tell this because if I write it, it's going to be 5,000 words that nobody wants to read. <laughs> but I think that I can make it compelling uh, if we uh, sort of go back to the oral tradition here. So, Emily, Michigan has, it seems like, an actual issue with scams more broadly. I mean, anyone who's covered Lansing sees press release after press release from attorneys general saying, here's a scam, protect yourself from scams. What does this tell us about what's actually happening in Michigan when it comes to this issue? Yeah, you know, like I said, there's a question as to whether or not this is a scam. The attorney general actually tried to shut it down in a 2015 lawsuit and failed. And there are some fun nuggets uh, (laughs) as to to that and the the rest of the series that's coming out. But yeah, I mean, to some extent, I feel like, you know, I talk to a lot of consumer protection experts and attorneys. And to some extent, it seems like attorneys general nationally are sort of playing (laughs) whack-a-mole. You know, like one of these ideas crop up, they bat it down, um, it crops up again. You hear a lot from uh, the attorney general in Michigan, for instance, like after our most recent flood, they'll talk about, you know, not getting skimmed by uh, like sort of fake insurance schemes, things like that, around robocalls. So certainly it's an area where a lot of people don't really realize what they're giving their credit card number to, what they're purchasing, or if they're purchasing something legitimate or or something they may not need. Let's kind of break this down a little bit because I feel like it's a really complicated scheme or situation that is going on here. So what exactly are these brothers doing and what is this gray area that they seem to be living in? Yeah. So 
you know, fundamentally, they have a business, right? They have a legitimately organized business through um, the licensing and regulatory affairs department in the state of Michigan. Um, and this business, in various iterations, um, has solicited people for all sorts of products and all over the nation for the last 20 years. So, um, you know, there's sort of like a range of, of dubiousness to what they've solicited for. <laughs> so, for example, if they're selling you a hand-washing poster, um, you know, that might not be required at all, and they might be think making you think that it was required. They got in trouble um, in a couple of states for that, or I shouldn't say I got in trouble, but they signed assurances of voluntary compliance or assurance of discontinuance, um, uh, agreeing to change some of their practices around the hand-washing posters. Um, but they'll actually send you a poster. Like if you buy a poster, you're going to get a poster. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think some people would argue that um, you purchased a service you may not have realized you didn't need, or maybe you just wanted their poster. Maybe their poster was better than the one you could have gotten for free through the state um, or better than the one you would have printed off yourself, right? Um, so maybe a graphic design element there. But, um, you know, and then there are other things that they're selling that frankly people just don't need and don't realize they don't need in some instances. Um, in the first episode, I talked to a woman who um, got a solicitation from them to re-register like an annual business registration. Um, which is an actual service, like they will do that for you. Um, but, you know, she got this letter and she had actually already registered and didn't realize it. So it was off, off, offering her a service that she didn't need at that point. Um, and then in other instances, they've sent people um, things like the corporate records. Um, they've sent to companies that don't actually need to do that. Um, or they've sent that out in states where that's not a requirement at all. Um, or, um, you know, sort of maybe it's a record keeping best practice of some sort, um, but but people don't typically do it. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like a range of, of <laughs> issues, I think. And it seems like they're always coming up with something new. Um, the brothers actually had a little bit of a um, fracture company-wise um, and the latest company assumed name services run by uh, one of the brothers offers that sort of um, uh, like fi fictitious names and DBAs, things like that. So sort of a series of bland administrative business tasks <laughs> that, frankly, it's easy <laughs> to lose track of. As a business owner myself, um, I have a teeny tiny cookie business. Um, it's kind of hard to remember like what time of year you first registered your business. So like when your annual renewal will be up. Um, that kind of thing. And I can only imagine it would be more difficult to keep track of if you had all of these uh, potential employees and other issues that that you had to keep on top of, too. And Emily, in that regard, you you mentioned you're a small business owner yourself. Um, you know, it seems like this kind of practice is really disadvantaging smaller businesses. I mean, I assume probably one of the best ways to protect yourself as a business is to know all the regulatory structures that exist and what you have to do from the state. But I mean, I, I'm sure you could probably attest it's hard to, especially when you only have uh, one, two people, if, it, if you're a really small business, you know, learning all of that. I mean, uh, try to become a lawyer in a, in a week, right? <laughs> you know, so um, so I assume that this is uh, this is a real problem because, uh, again, when we talk about the businesses that are not able to uh, or equipped to protect themselves in this, we're we're talking about the smallest businesses. 
Yeah. And you don't expect uh, every business to be or business owner to be an expert at all the things you just mentioned. Um, You know, I talked to um, a woman at the top who uh, is a nutritionist, life coach. Um, She used to be an RN, so she went through nursing school. And she was like, you know, they don't teach you how to run a business in nursing school, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that's to be said for a lot of professions. If you're an extraordinarily good plumber who hangs out a shingle and is, um, you know, founding your own plumbing business, um, you know, paperwork is not inherently important to being a good plumber, <laughs> but it's inherently important to sort of uh, dotting your I's and check and crossing your T's uh, when it comes to owning a business and state paperwork. Emily, you work for MLive, a Michigan uh, outlet. However, this story seems to have really broad reaching. I mean, this is this is really kind of a, a national story. They've they've sort of branched out into multiple states. Talk to us about, you know, sort of the challenges of working on a story this big. And then also, you know, what is the Michigan connection with all of this? So this has been an exercise in humility for me because (laughs) having built up our um, reputation as a reporter and I hope a good and fair reporter um, in Lansing and in Michigan, um, you know, I'm used to calling a state agency and and having someone respond. (laughs) Um, I'm used to calling people and having them know what MLive is. Um, and certainly I was making a lot of calls outside of state lines um, and talking to me just didn't align with the priorities of a lot of attorney generals in, or attorneys general in other states. So um, that was a little bit of a wake up call. I feel like I could be a more effective national reporter, um, maybe of people who knew who I was. So, um, But yeah, so we actually have a database that's available on MLive right now where you can go through um, documents from the lawsuits. Um, I've been able to track um, 20 states uh, who, through their attorneys general, have uh, either in some cases filed lawsuits or taken enforcement actions or reached uh, settlements or um, assurances of voluntary compliance or assurances of discontinuance. I'm learning all these lawyer words Um, (laughs) (laughs) with with the the brothers or their companies. and so you can go through and sort of see the commonalities there. And I really do later in the podcast uh, start to paint a picture of um, sort of the the mode of operation for um, the brothers. And, you know, basically, I think that attorneys general have been aware of this issue for a really long time. There are some who have taken multiple bites at the apple. Um, you know, they'll uh, have an initial agreement and then come back and say, actually, they're not following that agreement. Um, and so there's been more than 30 of these enforcement actions in uh, 20 states that I've been able to track. And I think some of them um, go back pretty far, pretty early into the um, company's history, including um, in Michigan, we've actually had three separate actions over this at this point. And like I said, culminating in so far, at least um, in 2015, and that action that um, didn't go too far and the, the court did not look too kindly upon. And Emily, have we heard from these brothers directly? Have you been successful in, in getting in touch with them? And if so, what are they saying about all this? Well, there's another person I don't have a lot of cachet with. (laughs) So so I did uh, contact the brothers through their attorneys and through their attorneys. um, They've declined to comment for uh, Mm. this series. So I was disappointed. I think that, I mean, I would love to hear their side of the story. You know, I've sort of dived uh, later in the podcast. I'll get a little bit into 
business ethics and, you know, sort of examining, like, is this a legitimate business enterprise? Um, what is it? <laughs> and um, I talked to a business ethicist uh, who was was telling me something that I hadn't thought about, which is that, you know, kind of the the definition of being an entrepreneur is trying something new and pushing some boundaries. And sometimes those are legal boundaries, right? So um, I would have loved to talk with them about that. And I'm disappointed I haven't. Maybe I'll get a call when, when they hear it all. I don't know. Where, if anywhere, does Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel fit into all of this? Has she filed lawsuits, grievances? Is she on the case with any of this? Or or has she been... I've got of- a spoiler for you. Ooh. I've got a spoiler Ooh. for you now. <laughs> Mishmash exclusive. Nice. <laughs> so I mentioned that the first, first Michigan action on this was um, in 2001. Um, There was another in 2007 and another in 2015. So for those of us who love political math, um, there have been actions under uh, Jennifer Granholm, um, Mike Cox, and Bill Schutte. Um, There have not been any under Dana Nessel so far, but um, if there were, they couldn't tell me because in the 2015 lawsuit, there was a gag order instituted (laughs) and the state has been very recalcitrant to say anything um, due to that. So uh, unfortunately, you know, normally I would have going into this, I I thought, um, you know, that that would be a a good source for me. The attorney general's office in Michigan certainly has like built up an expertise on this. um, And uh, actually part of the 2015 agreement was that they couldn't even put out a press release saying how the lawsuit had ended. Um, So it's certainly been an interesting ride. And we get into that a little bit in the next episode or two. Emily, anything else you want to add about the podcast? For one thing, you know, let listeners know how they can find it and uh, and listen. But uh, any any other last uh, words here? Yeah, well, so the podcast is up on all the major podcasting platforms. So if you're an Apple um, podcast person or a Spotify person, um, we've got you covered. I'd love if you clicked the little stars and rate, review, etc. I don't actually know how that works, but it sounds important and other people (laughs) say it, so I'm just going to say it. Um, and then we put out episodes every week. So um, next week, there will be a new episode and you'll find a story about all the episodes on MLive.com too. So if you uh, are a Google fan, just type in MLive.com mandatory and you should get the latest. And there's a lot of extra online goodies too. Like I mentioned that database um, that don't necessarily fit in an audio format. So if you are a person who likes to read lawsuits, I have the story for you. (laughs) Emily Lawler is MLive's lead reporter on the statewide team. She's also recently been an investigative reporter and podcaster. Thank you so much for being on Mishmash. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that's all for Mishmash. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>